Blog Talk Radio. This is Marty Oakley of the PPJ Gazette Online, and this is the TS Radio Network. Our show tonight is brought to you by Marcel Reed and the new original Whistleblower Summit. And we're going to be doing a lot of work with them. Our guest this evening was on our panel this last year, Chris Dallas from Australia. Of course, problems are rolling crazy over there, too. Uh, Kaz will be joining us here in just a little bit. She wanted to join in for this show. I want to remind everyone, if you wish to call in during this broadcast, the number is 917-388-4520. That's 917-388-4520. And hit the number 1 as soon as the system answers if you want to speak. And that will put you in the queue and flag me that you want to talk. Um, We've... As you know, this is we're going to, in June here on TS Radio, we're going to start our 14th year. The majority of these shows that I've broadcast over these years has been on guardianship. And one of the things we were just discussing before we came on air is the fact that this whole system runs. This whole kidnapping, isolation, drugging, theft of the estate, and the termination of the individual all happens with the blessings of government. Without it, it couldn't go on. We talked about the fact that we have been to, I couldn't tell you how many senators, how many representatives, governors, heads of state of all kind. Um, we have gone to the presidents, uh, two of them exactly, uh, to see if they would do anything, and of course they would not. They, uh, this, is, this doesn't happen without government approval. This doesn't happen without it being sanctioned by government, without the door being thrown open, without these people giving a free pass, committing the crimes that they commit, the things that if you or I did it, we'd be in prison. But these people do it every day. These are parasites. They're predators. They prey on people, and they make a parasitic existence off of what they do to others, this trafficking of human beings. For profit. And I've over these years come to the conclusion it isn't so much about the money or the land or other real estate. It isn't so much as it is this power over another individual who is totally helpless to stop you from what you're doing to them. We've seen families go up against these parasites. Uh, we've seen it, it, it just destroyed. When I was first in this, what really hit me was people were taking out second and third mortgages on their homes. They were spending their kids as college funds, trying to save mom, dad, or whomever from this this network of predators. And they never succeeded. I don't know, except maybe after all these years, and more than a thousand stories, 
and many stories that we never brought on air, but we worked on behind the scenes. I only know of five that were successful in getting out of the guardianship. In Australia, it's just as bad, if not worse. Um, But like I say, we are getting exposure. And recently in Australia, ABC did a... uh, an expose on the human trafficking for profit system running in Australia. And there was a lot of blowback and flyback and trying to stop this from coming out, but they went ahead with it anyway. And even with this revelation, this exposure, nothing has changed. Nobody is standing up and saying, my God, this is human, inhuman. This is terrible. I didn't know what was going on. We've got to do something about this. We've got to stop it. Nobody called for a moratorium even to stop it, you know, just temporarily till they took a look at it. Nobody moved to rescue any person from this system. And you have to understand, Australia, like America, the word ward means prisoner of the state. So when you are a ward, you are, in effect, a prisoner. And they damn well do anything to you they want to, and they do. Like I say, if... We did, those of us out here in the public, any of the things that these so-called guardians and conservators do on a daily basis, we'd be in prison. We'd be so far in the prison, they wouldn't even know we were there anymore. And yet these people do it every day, drive home in their luxury vehicle to their little palatial estate and have dinner. What's wrong with this picture? Our guest tonight, like I say, is Chris. Dallas from Australia, and she heads up the Association to Stop Guardianship and Admin Abuse, and you can find her on Facebook. I have a direct link to her page right in the promo, and you can go there and see what they're doing and working on. But anyway, with that, Chris, welcome to the show. Good evening, Marty. How are you, and how is everyone? And hopefully you all have a great Easter and uh, Passover or any other festival that (laughs) is going on at the moment. Um, yes, in Australia we have um, we've been fortunate in the last uh, few weeks uh, that guardianship has been um, exposed, and it's not not myself, just myself, but it's wonderful advocates that have been pushing this for thirty plus years. You know, there's such you know people yeah. like Chris and and Debbie Jenkinson, and and we've got Therese and Yana and. Um, um, we've got so many people like Sally and, and Genevieve and, and Maria and all these and June and June and all these wonderful um, advocates that have been trying to expose this abuse well before our little group came along and our group's just a small part of this whole um, expose. Um, you know, there are even government groups now like Advocacy Tasmania that are uh, talking about guardianship of you know abuse and that's so great it's great to see that in different states everyone is saying you know the same thing we have a problem and what's the real issue here we have a state sanctioned entrapment slash kidnapping system and after the expose I spoke to so many people I received over 1058 emails I counted them uh, all over oh my Australia God. I couldn't answer all of them. They were just most of them were just stories, um, people just talking about 
this happened to me, oh my God, I'm not alone, um, it happened to my dad, it happened to my brother, it happened to my sister, it happened to um, my child has been removed. I think the children, when you start to see the stories, we have a new sheriff in town in, in, in guardianship. When we first got together, a lot of the advocates, and, and Asgar is not me, I have this, this impression that Asgar is, you know, me. I'm just the secretary, the legal yeah. secretary that makes sure all the forms are done and everything else. Um, Asgar is actually a group of highly respected advocates um, and they, they are, have to be handpicked. I mean, they have to go through a police check because I'm very particular about who we associate with and it has to be clean. And that's right. why our organisation and, and some other organisations have that credibility. Um, we, for the past few months, had to go lie low because we were advised by certain people that there will be extensive trolling and what you call fake news or, you know, um, lies disseminated just to discredit the group, which is just... I mean, some of the things that we've read, Marty, I have had to laugh. I couldn't stop laughing. There's the lengths people will go to to discredit a little group made up of, you know, mums and dads and, um, you know, ordinary Australians trying to expose um, this horrible system. And that's what I think really shook them because we're not, you know, people that have a, a background. Or we're just ordinary Australians telling our story, saying, hey, guys, this happened to me and it can happen to you. And I think, um, you know, after years of talking about this and, you know, with your help, of course, and with NASGAR, um, trying to nut out how are they doing this, we've broken it down to very simple five steps. And they're five steps that people can really relate to. The victims identified, you know, whether they just turn 65 or they're disabled or there's a, a fall at home or whatever, they quickly remove their rights, they quickly isolate, medicate and we know liquidate and then they ensure that that person can never escape. And it's so easy to explain the system. So we've been able to explain it but no one believes it because they think, oh, the government can't do that or... Right. You know, there are checks and balances or, you know, I'm a married woman or I'm a married man or I have a partner. They can't remove me from making decisions from my partner. And that was trying to get, um, trying to break that illusion of safety we believe we have has been the hardest part in this journey. The reality is the next of kin can be removed very easily with any allegations. Yes. We are seeing... We're seeing husbands removed and divorced by guardians. We're seeing children removed from looking after their elderly parents. We are now seeing mm -hmm. mothers and fathers removed um, looking after their disabled children. And you sit there and you think, under who are making these allegations? I'll tell you, social workers, hospital staff. Mm -hmm. We have NDIS providers here. So what we have here is a, a, the new, what we call the new sheriff in town. We have a scheme, an insurance scheme in this country, and anyone over the age of well, 7 to 65 can apply to access funding from the government. Now, when you throw money 
into a vulnerable sector, you attract predators, right? So right. we now have these NDIS providers using guardianship as a weapon. And what they're effectively doing is they're ganging up together with other providers to give this illusion of truth, making up you know, all these lies and these shift notes of lies. And then they rock up to a tribunal, present these false allegations or allegations as evidence so that they come in as a collusive group against the vulnerable person and often the family, often the mother or a father, and they remove that poor, young, disabled child or young adult from the family. And they have to be over 18, of course. And they remove that, that, and it's textbook. They forcibly institutionalise these um, young adults in a group home. They isolate the family. And then all of a sudden we see these NDIS budgets explode. So the funding may initially start with 30000 and they may end up to $800,000 per person. Okay, and right. no one is looking at the system. No one is seeing where the billing is going. The family's isolated, and they're denied access to all information. It is a it is a racket. And yes. when we started, we always thought about. But when you think of guardianship, you often think they want your mother's home or your father's home, and and that's one angle. But this NDIS has given you know, um, kidnapping, a new name. And I started to receive a lot of calls, um, nothing to do with assets. These victims had no money other than a budget, a budget that these providers can tap into. And the providers are group homes and the providers are support staff and they drug the victim. And by drugging the victim, they need to increase the budget to, quote, hire more staff. Do you see what they're doing? So right. on that person's yep. budget, they may have three staff members, but in reality, that person has one or no one. There's no one there to see yep. it. So we're seeing a right. new fraudulent ring that has come out of guardianship. And these providers, and I tell people, once they have your loved one, once they have the body, it's over. It's over. And right. I think this expose with Four Corners, it has been three years in the making. Um, COVID, obviously, and, and all of that stopped it for a while. But it's been three years in, a, in the making. And what we had was journalists first, I think, in disbelief, because it is really, you're telling, you're telling journalists, highly respected journalists, that our government, under the law, and it is, all, it is all legal, we can prove everything we say, has engineered a system and, and, and they've defined, they've created a business, they've created a business that they need to step in to take care of vulnerable people. And they're selling this lie that we only step in as a last resort and we only come in when there's no one there. And the reality is they'll step in any time they want and they can do whatever they like and they can silence you. And I okay. think the expose, which went on for just under an hour, showed the story, Peter's story. Peter came to us, to our group um, last year. And it's such a sad story. He's a lovely man, very, very smart man. Um, but 
he just he was in the middle of a um, a dispute with a loved one, and he collapsed and ended up in hospital. And he was like in hospital and didn't know anything. And, and allegedly a social worker made an application and removed his rights. I mean, he was, it, was, it, it took half an hour, Peter said. He was then forcibly um, left in a hospital. He was, was not allowed to leave. He had all his decision-making human rights removed. And his assets, all of a sudden shares were sold, property was sold, and we went through his account, and if you saw the fees that were charged to this poor man, and he was watching, and there was nothing he could do about it, and he fought yep. back, he fought back against the system, and he got out. He got out, and he was fortunate to go into state. He had another property in Canberra, and then they targeted him there. So if you can imagine my disbelief when I received a call last year by this brokera telling me, can you help this man? He just kicked out the trustees who were trying to remove him from his second property. And Jeez. we started talking to Peter and we just could not believe his story. And then there were other stories. And when you start to see this has been going on for 30 years and the yes. ABC, a respected, respected journalist, have spent three years exposing this and it was met by our governments with silence. Now, Advocacy Tasmania is a group, is a, um, a support, well, it's a, it's a government-funded support group who have also been championing this cause in Tasmania. And kudos to them. They've done a great job. Um, and it's great. The more the merrier, I say, the more noise, the more groups, the more people who talk about guardianship, the better. This is not a competition. Yeah. This is about exposing it. And it is. there it was is. Um, one, one politician, Ella had, she spoke about it. She said, bang, it's happening. It appeared also, it was raised by Andrew Wilkie in federal parliament. Then it was met with silence, Mamadi. Silence. Mm -hmm. As if it yep. didn't happen. It didn't exist. And we can't let that happen. We need, this needs well, to stop, Marty. You, when, uh, what got me into this issue years ago was Sarah Harvey here. Um, she was a member of NASCA eventually as a result, but her husband had taken a fall down the stairs at home and hit his head on a cement block wall, had a brain injury. She got him right to the hospital. They said, oh, he'll be fine. He need a little bit of rehab, but he'll be okay. She goes back the next day. There's an armed guard at the door. She can't see her husband. This went on for eight years. They held him in the hospital. They tried to get his, in fact, did at one point get his military retirement. They were taking his Social Security. They were bleeding Sarah dry. And at one point, they wanted to sell the house. Well, they couldn't uh, because Sarah wouldn't allow it. She said no. She was on there, too, and said no. And so they took her to court, well, to tribunal, and... The guardian, now her husband had had several surgeries on his throat. He had a trach. Um, he had been non-communicative uh, for, I think, two years at that point, uh, non-responsive, couldn't speak. The guardian went into the courtroom or the tribunal and said that he, uh, her husband had requested a divorce from her. This man couldn't speak, couldn't communicate on any level. 
And she, of course, was stunned. And she said, how did he do that? He can't talk. He's not conscious. How did he do Well, he just let me know. The thing about tribunals is this is not law. These are not laws. They're in a tribunal setting so that they can run by statute, code, regulation, and contract. And they don't use law. And that's I've tried to make people understand that you can't apply the law here because this is not a lawful court of law. And you have the same thing in Australia. You have these tribunals. They don't follow any laws. They make their own rules, regulations, um, code, statute, the whole nine, and they operate on that. But you've highlighted something very important, the silence of government in the face of all of this, of this constant exposure and what these people are doing and the fact that all of it is facilitated by government. It is the government who helps create this and allow it to go on. And you talked about billing people, you know, for services they don't get, like having three caretakers and you only have one if you've even got that. But see here, Chris, there is federal funding, there is state funding, there's all kinds of programs that when they nail somebody, they tap into every one of these, they take their Social Security, any um, military retirement, um, any any other retirement railroad they might have, and they take all of that and make themselves the assigned payee on there, and the person never sees their money again, and there is no accounting. And you talked about true. them coming mm-hmm. in, yeah, coming yeah. into court, yeah. and making these accusations, and but see, they don't produce any evidence. Here again, you're in a tribunal. No. You don't have to produce evidence. You simply have to make the charge, <laughs> and so that's what's happening there also. Um, is that they make these charges, they're baseless, but they're not asked for any evidence. There is no evidence. They aren't asked for it. They never have to produce it. They made the charge, and it might as well be written with the finger of God. True or That's untrue, right. it makes yeah. no difference. Makes no difference. So well, we've, we, we've got a, a parallel yeah. system here. Yeah. 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 We're seeing, like, NDIS is the National Disability Insurance Scheme. And it, when it was sold, and I, I just need to clarify because I could have incorrectly stated something, um, it was over seven and under 65. So it was this insurance scheme that was designed to support vulnerable Australians. And over 65, obviously, you know, people are entitled and now 67 to a pension. So under 65 would tap into a scheme um, that would allow them, you know, support and it could be a self-managed plan. It could be um, a planned, a planned um, support. So you could request a loved one to be your NDIS nominee and correspondent, or it could be what's called agency support. Now, what we're seeing is, and I've seen this with a lot of members, um, the plan starts off very simply, a very low plan, often managed by the victim themselves or a loved one. And then the NDIS, then the staff come in to support. And then they create an issue. This is what they're doing. They create an issue. They, they start writing up all these lies, lies. So they, they'll go into a home and they'll start um, the, their shift notes. And this is what I hear often by a lot of my parents. They'll, they'll create an illusion that the mother or the father is not looking after their loved one, Um, they can't manage, uh, they need extra support, and then they go back 
to the tribunal and apply for guardianship. Now, they don't actually apply for guardianship. What they do is they alert the public guardian. So they request that the victim is placed under public guardianship. Now, why would they do that? Because the public guardian and the NDIS providers, under the law, under NDIS law, it, it was designed at a Commonwealth level to be supportive, that is, supportive decision-making. Once a public guardian is put in place, it becomes substitute decision-making. And it's easier for the NDIS providers and the public guardians to work together. Now, why would the public guardians want to work with NDIS providers? What's the advantage? I'll tell you, state savings. Vulnerable people in this country use hospitals, they need doctors, they need nurses, pharmaceutical, they get benefits, okay, they have carers' pensions, carers' allowance, we see uh, public housing, we see all of these benefits that you are entitled to under the law. And this is draining the state budget. It's easier for that victim, we see it, it's textbook now, they they, once that guardianship application has been approved in a tribunal that can ignore evidence, act in any way they see fit, the member is immune and an employee of the state and it's very, very difficult to appeal, if not next to impossible, to appeal to, to the Supreme Court because the, the Crown solicitors all jump in okay, and it becomes very difficult. This vulnerable person, it's textbook money, is then shifted off either to a supported living accommodation or into a group home. The family is then isolated. And that victim, all the state services that they were entitled to, suddenly stop. They don't go to hospital. They don't seek any state support. Then multiply that one person by the 10,000 people that are under guardianship in that particular state, or 5,000. Then you see the millions upon millions that the state is actually saving by guardianising that vulnerable person. We've also seen another trend that they are targeting autistic, deaf, mute, okay, and those children or those adults, I shouldn't say children, those over 18, that have a long lifespan. We all know in an institutional setting that that lifespan is dramatically cut short. Who benefits from the early death of that vulnerable person? And I'm seeing now we've got a lovely lady at the age of 18. Her son was cared for her. The minute he turned 18, there was an application made by an NDIS provider. They rocked up at her house, removed her son, and for 108 days she hasn't seen her son based on false allegations. Why was that allowed to happen? We have another lady in Sydney, the same story. Her son, the minute he turned 18, a guardianship application was made. She hasn't seen her son either. Why? And then both these ladies said, we're good mothers. Why are we being denied the right to look after our children? And their, their newly adult children were taken by the state. And one of the common themes that I'm starting to see, that these young adults were tapping into state services, hospital beds, psychiatric wards, doctors, nurses, you know, facilities being used. The government in 2000, the federal government in 2014 slashed 
$80 billion from the health and education sector. So our states now are scrambling to save money. And how do you save money? You limit people accessing services. So guardianship now is being used as a weapon. It's being used as a weapon to save money. So where we have the traditional, you know, grab mum and dad or, you know, nan and pop to get act, to actually access their home, that's still happening. But what we're seeing now is the reduction of state benefits. And the guardian takes over all those decision-making rights, the personal, financial and medical. And what other business? We, I mean, in, in any other world, okay, people would be jailed if they were running a business where they could effectively identify a vulnerable person, remove their rights, drug them, isolate them from family, strip them of their assets, deny them a fair trial and even euthanise them. And that's all done under the law. It's all legal because as you've told us, Martin, as you clearly stated, that person no longer exists. They're dead under the law. They don't exist. The police will not talk to that person. They talk to the guardian. They'll talk to the trustee. They never talk to the victim because they don't exist anymore. And they've been able to do this by removing the identity, transferring that identity. And this NDIS is the new cash cow. It's the new way for the state to save money. And I tell people, do not tap into NDIS because one allegation will throw you into these tribunals, not a courtroom, into these tribunals, and you can have your human rights removed. And now, when this NDIS system is, you know, open to anyone over the age of, I think it's seven, up till the age of 65. So um, under 65, you know, can tap into it. And it was there. Look, it probably started as a you know, a good, a good idea, and it really is. If you start looking at all the complaints uh, on Facebook in NDIS, for example, grassroots, and you start to see these groups, complaint after complaint after complaint, they've just created another bureaucracy. And with guardianship, it's such a powerful and dangerous marriage. Well, you know, that's the thing too, Chris. Like, you know, I said earlier, with all this exposure, uh, we've had media pick up some of these stories here. And, of course, we had Britney Spears. And then now, um, what's her name? Uh, Wendy Williams. Banker, West, yes. or Wells Fargo has um, seized her accounts. They're trying to make get her a guardian. She's fighting back. How many millions were stolen from Britney Spears, and they'd keep stealing them if she hadn't, you know, fought back, and if the public hadn't risen up and said, "Wait a minute, enough's enough on this." And but it just—they do this constantly. I had a, a representative in Minnesota. We were trying to get a bill passed up there, or at least get it sponsored and heard. And I had one of the representative staffers tell me. You have to understand, um, uh, probate saves the state millions of dollars every year. I said, no, it doesn't save them. It makes them millions of dollars. I said, out of that Title 20 funding, your block grant, I said, you get it somewhere around $20 million per year 
for elder services and care. Where is that money going? She said, well, well, and I said, yeah, well, well. But you cannot get these politicians to talk about this, and you're dead right. You're you're in there. Your identity has been taken. You've lost your legal capacity, okay, and you've lost your legal agency, which means your right to handle your own affair and contract for business, whatever you want to do, manage your checking account. You've lost that, and they can do whatever they want to. You are a non-entity at this point. You don't exist. Your name is in all capital letters. And I keep telling people, if you think that's conspiracy theory stuff, look at something that comes from the state courts, like the superior court of your state. Everything is, the words are capitalized, first letter, and then normal print. Your name, first letter, is capitalized, and the rest, regular print. But you get something from an administrative or tribunal. Everything is capitalized. And that is a signal to you that you have lost, basically, and you are not working under the law. And you're doing the same thing in Australia. You have a whole subset system there that's in operation. I had a a senator tell me here recently that they couldn't interfere in it. And I said, what did you say? Well, you know, uh, as the branches of government, and that's part of the judiciary, I said, how can it be part of the judiciary? It, it doesn't deal with law. There are no judges. He says, well, of course there is. I said, of course there isn't. I said, these are hearing examiners, ministerial clerks. No one can honestly use the title judge. That's a fraud. And he just sat there and he goes, well, I said, I don't understand. I said, these things, and it was the same way in Australia. These issues were taken out of state criminal and civil courts where the Constitution or your laws would be in effect. Exactly. exactly. And it was put in, it, it yes, is, and put yep, in. It is what it is, Marty, yep. because what we're yep. seeing in this, it's textbook, Marty. I can now, and, and Chris and, and Deb and Maria and Therese, because we handle a lot of calls all over this, all, all over Australia, and we we know exactly what's going to happen next to that person. And I always tell people, if once they've got the body, it's over. It's very difficult to fight back. And the reason yeah. for that is they drug people. They isolate them. Yes. All they have to do, this is, it's, a, it's textbook muddy. Okay, every story, different scenario. It could be a mother, it could be a father, it could be a husband, it could be a wife, it could be a sibling, it could be a... But they follow, it's almost textbook. They've got a plan. If there are powers of attorney in place, they will start false allegations of abusing the attorney, okay? And they will state that we need to suspend these rules. Tribunals can suspend your powers of attorney. That's what people need to understand. It's an illusion of safety. Your wills will not protect you. Your powers of attorney will not protect you. Being married will not protect you. Under the law, a guardian overrides the next of kin. And this is quite frightening to know because the Australian public are unaware of this. And everyone tells me, how can this happen? And I said, it's under law. They have created these... These bedside hearings and these tribunal hearings, okay, to bypass the Evidence Act. 
And without evidence, the truth is covered up and it becomes a question of law. So when you appeal the decision of, you know, your guardianship, you have to find an error in law. And when you've stitched up the legislation for that person never to escape, you cannot escape. It's by design. So they just, it's almost like when we use the word predators, because that's exactly what they're doing. They're sitting back. The legislation is already there. So you've got this business model that the government has decided to remove your human rights. Everyone in Australia and worldwide thinks, but I'm married and I have powers of attorney, I'm safe. No, you're not. Because what happens is all they need to do in these tribunals is present an argument not based on evidence, just an allegation of a, of a worker or a social worker that they believe that that vulnerable person is at risk and all the families removed under the guise of protection. It's that simple. And to see, and this is one of the uh, other issues that's really concerning, powers of attorney and will being changed as people are dying, that is actually happening. Wills being changed by doctors or by individuals that are not even qualified to assess capacity. I have seen a capacity report by a dentist, by an occupational therapist. That's how easy it is to change legal documents in this country. A tribunal hearing over the phone can remove your human rights. And they're selling a lie to the public that this is a last resort. I mean, a mother told me, I am a mother. How can I be removed looking after my son? And I said, they can do that. They can do that. And she said, how does a mother lose her right to look after her son? How does a sibling lose the right to look after their sibling? How does a husband or a wife or a partner lose their right to look after their partner? They can do it. And that's, what, that's why this is so frightening. It is happening. It is real. It's been happening for 30 years. I don't even know how they've been able to keep this under wraps. And you can see and you follow the money and they're making money off your estate. And you can't even access your own money to fight these people. They can access your money because they become you. So my name, Christine, is transferred to the state. And my asset that I save is being used to fight me, to keep me under guardianship. And that was what we were stressing to the reporters. These are involuntary clients. They are there by force. This is not a system where you walk in and say, look, I need help and I would like this particular agency to look after me. You have been forced into this system and you can't <coughs> escape this system. That's the scary part, Marty. Imagine somebody saying, Marty, I believe you need care. And you tell them, I don't need care. Thank you very much. I said, well, we don't care what you think, Marty. You need care. I'm from the government and I'm here to help you. And they force you into a system and then they use your money, like they've done with Britney Spears, to keep her in that system, all of them profiting from your life savings. And your partner, your family is watching in horror and they can't do anything because the law has been, they've sold this system out that, oh, it only happens to those, you know, guardianship, public guardianship is only for 
you know, those individuals that don't have family. Absolute rubbish. They can target any person, any time that they want. We've got a, a gentleman in South Australia. His mum is in care against her will. He loves his mother. He sends me videos all the time. Michael's a lovely, lovely young man. Looked after his mother. No allegations against him. A social worker made an allegation. And they believed it. And he cannot appeal that decision. They're refusing him the right to appeal that decision. They're refusing him the right to address it. And why is that? They want the house. The state trustees want the house. Then you've got a lovely other mate. She's become a friend of mine, Genevieve. She wants to see her sister. And her sister wants to see her. She's forcibly institutionalised in a group home and she hasn't seen her sister for four years. Whilst the, the NDIS is making money off this poor woman forcibly institutionalised in a group home. I have another lady, Pauline. Her brother does not want NDIS. It's forced onto him. Everyone's making money off him except poor Charles. And we're fighting to remove that. I have another lady here in Victoria. Now I've become her, her advocate. Um, she doesn't want to live in a group home. She told me, I do not want to live in a group home. I want to live in my, with my sister. And the group home has decided that if she wants to leave, they will forcibly guardianise her. It's that simple. We've got another lady who contacted me. Her husband went into hospital. He has dementia. They won't leave him. He's been in there for 80 days. They want to uh, forcibly put him into a home. Why are they doing this? Because every person that goes into hospital, they look at them as a potential, you know, new client. Every person as a new client. They'll ask you questions, personal questions. How much money do you have? What is your income stream? What assets do you have? They are sizing us up. This shouldn't happen. Our powers of attorney should mean something. Our will should mean something. Our relationship, whether we're married or we have siblings, they should take precedence. It doesn't happen. That's not the reality in guardianship. Anyone from the yep. state can make, anyone can make an allegation and take over your life. Mm -hmm. How do we stop it is the question. I don't that's, know. That's the because whole question. we know it's happening. How do we stop it, Marty? Right. Well, and then that's the thing, and it is going to take a, a massive outcry from the public, and it, that's and holding these legislators accountable, um, and quit letting them blow you off. Up there, you talked about them discarding wills and trusts, and and they do this routinely. And you are absolutely right. This is a false sense of security, because um, well, I know up in Minnesota, uh, was going to do a will up there. And a power of attorney, and then I saw on the Bar Association website for Minnesota that um, they have advised the government that unless someone in the Bar Association uh, authors those papers, they're not valid. I got a hold of representatives and said, do you, did, "Did you see? Uh, yeah. Are you going to let them get away with this?" Well, don't you think you need an attorney? I said, "No." And But we had a law come out there uh, they tried to pass uh, two years ago. And, Chris, it said, see, they try to codify into law what they are already doing illegally. And then they make it post-active, um, okay, retroactive. 
And it said specifically in there that it allowed the guardian or conservator to remove beneficiaries on wills, trusts, or any other instrument, place them of people of their own choosing, even if it was themselves. How much more crooked do you have to be blatantly so to put this in writing? And it's obviously such an assault. But, see, we're dealing, we're both dealing with the same system, the same system at work. And I say all of it on either side of the ocean there is all facilitated, put into motion, and protected by our own government, by the people that should be looking out for us, that we're paying to look out for us, and who really have no interest in looking out for us. And um, this Mm -hmm. thing of siphoning Mm -hmm. the money is just incredible the amount of money they steal from people you talked about accounting mm-hmm. um according to the, the the probate rules and regulations they're supposed to be audited annually and it's seldom that that audit is ever produced um the way one of the ways they caught april parks in nevada was that they got a court order and got her books and saw where she had charged like three hundred dollars for a pair of new leggings for herself and she was going well that can be reversed. That can be reversed. Well, she reversed herself right into 40 years in prison. But it's few and far between prosecutions. We have got some major predators out there, both of us. And no one is moving to stop them. No one will allow anything to be done to stop them. Um, I don't know if you saw here, uh, it was last year, and there was this doctor who appeared on CNN. And he said... No one should want to live past the age of 75. What's the point? Yes, you should be able yes, to. Yes, yeah. Well, excuse me. Who are you to decide what my life is worth? And I thought, you go first, Doc. You go first. And But this thing of trying to brainwash, and that's another part of this. Chris, if you've seen where they've asked the public, you know, randomly, as people stop and coming down the sidewalk, you know, what do you think um, should be done for the elderly? Uh, do you think, you know, they should be euthanized? Do you think they should be allowed to be taken? No, they've lived a long life. They need to go on and go. Excuse me? Mm-hmm. And yeah, we've got yeah. statements out a, that have approved yeah. uh, the starving to death of people with dementia or Alzheimer's or people with mental illness. To starve them because it's cheaper than trying to take care of them. I just... It, I don't know how bad this has to get. And nobody said a freaking word, Chris. No, no, it's the cost. We, the 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 journalist Anne Connolly, who um, was uh, instrumental in exposing guardianship abuse, was also instrumental in exposing aged care abuses, and they all tie in. And what we're seeing in Australia is the neglect once they've institutionalised. Um, the vulnerable person, they neglect them, they starve them, they drug them, and no one is stopping it. No one cares. Uh, Michael, who um, who sent me a video of his mum the other day, he found her on the floor, hours left alone. Why hasn't anyone been charged? Why isn't there an investigation? Because the reality is, once we become vulnerable in this country, and it's why Australia more so? Because we have a social security network. 
that should support our vulnerable and it looks nice and soft and fuzzy and warm and, and so beautiful on the outside but it's rotten and evil in, on the inside. Our vulnerable, our elderly are being shipped off to these, as you call them, warehouses of death because I love that term because I think that's what they are and they're being neglected and if the family raise any concern, well, guess what? The public guardian comes in and silences everyone. It's all by design, all of it. And when we, when we, our group was created, we did primarily focus on the elderly because that's what we thought was actually occurring. It was really about the elderly. And, and then we started to see young, disabled adults also being targeted by the Guardian. Now, we also, um, our state and federal governments have um, systems in place to protect vulnerable people here. They say they do, but the reality is they're on a cost-cutting exercise. And I know it sounds, it's not extreme to say this because I've spoken to so many people and I see the same targeting a vulnerable person who's accessing these services is really at risk in this country. What they're doing is they're tapping into services and your state and your federal government doesn't like it. Why don't they like it? There are carers' pensions. There are carers' allowances. There are disability pensions. There's obviously the MDIS. And then you have this young vulnerable person who's 18 to 20 they can live to, what, 50, 60 years? Do you really think our governments want to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars a year times 50 years on every single vulnerable person? Of course not. This is a covert, I like to say it, but it is a, a covert euthanasia uh, policy, okay? And guardianship is the means to control it. The power is in guardianship. When you look at aged care, the power is in who makes the decisions, right? Remove that from the family, transfer that to the state. They will, the state will make decisions that benefit the state and federal government. We're seeing the same tactics used on vulnerable people. So I tell people, do not access NDIS. The minute you access NDIS or any of these services, you be, you're on a list effectively. And anyone can make any allegation and you will lose your child. You will lose your partner. I'm seeing with NDIS um, those that are physically disabled but very vocal. They're not targeting those individuals. They tend to target autistic children, those with mutism, those with hearing or, or, or other forms of disability. They, they are the but they have a long lifespan. Because really, it, it becomes a burden to the state. They look at us as a cost. I know, you know, someone said to me, why would the government do this? You're a cost. Your child is a cost to the system. That's why they've done it. It's not that you're a bad person. You've become a cost. They've identified you as a future cost. And you need to protect yourself. And I tell families, please, be very careful when you access services. Because all you have to do, all that, all that has to happen is one allegation, one application, and you've lost your, your rights. You've lost your child. You've lost your husband. 
And being married won't protect you. Being a mother or a father won't protect you. We're following the story of Tony and Julia at the moment um, and their son. And I won't say his name for legal reasons and to protect the other family members. But Tony and Julia are very vocal that they want to be a part of their son's life. And they're being denied, not only by the public guardian, but also by the provider. And this is really, really frightening to watch. And we're filming this at the moment. Frightening to watch how you can lose the right to advocate for your own child. We've got another lady, Yana. She hasn't seen her mother for four years. I've been in, involved with Yana's case, and I'm not making any comments on any other family members, but why should Yana be denied the right to see her mother? She's done nothing wrong, absolutely nothing wrong. I have another lady, Jane in Tasmania. She's been removed from being an advocate for her partner. She has a child with her partner. Why? Because of an ex or because of someone's made an allegation. And we recently put up a video of a lady who has been forcibly institutionalised by a guardian. She said, I don't want to be there. Who is this person? And she actually said, the guardian can go and get stuffed. And I had to laugh. I mean, she said, well, get out of my life. Once they're in your life, once they've identified you, it's over. Removing your human rights can be done over the phone under half an hour. And you can't fight back. Once you start fighting back, as I've seen in many appeals, the Crown solicitors step in. They step in and they fight you on a question of law, not on fact. And the law is so um, so tight and the guardians play all these dirty tricks. They drag it on for years until the victim dies or until the family's exhausted. That's the, that's the tactic. That's the game plan. And I tell people, once you're identified, flee, run, hide, go into state, do whatever you have to do. Until this system is fixed, and I don't see it fixed, being fixed any time soon, we are in serious trouble. Everyone, every person can be targeted. Any person can be targeted. If you think your marriage is going to save you, think again. If you think a piece of paper, a power of attorney is going to save you, think again. They can just suspend these in the tribunal. They don't tell you this. No one knows that they can suspend your um, powers of attorney. Powers of attorney that should be valid. You know, relationships that should override the state. This is an overreach, Marty. Our state, it is state control. I thought that heading was perfect. State control. And every person should be in fear. And if you say no, it doesn't mean anything. You are dead under law. You don't exist. You can go to the police and the police will tell you, I'm sorry, I can't talk to you. I can only talk to your guardian. See, this is we've run into this here too, of going to the police and <clears throat> the sheriff's department and um, Department of Justice in your state, you know, this and that. And, this, and they just keep circling you. Oh, you have to go report it to the police. And the police, you take it to the sheriff. The sheriff says, you know, go to the, the state's attorney general. And um, one of the things that was said to me here a couple of years ago that is just burned in my brain, where I heard almost word for word from Minnesota and the federal DOJ, and that was 
you're operating under the delusion that we're here to protect you. We are here to protect the state from you. And, you know, that really hit home with me. It sunk in. But I, you know, there there's too many of these predators, Chris. There's too many of them for this to be an aberration. There's too many people that are willing to operate in this venue for this to be an aberration. There's something wrong with these people, and it's collectively wrong. You talk about how they, you know, these papers mean nothing, and they don't. They mean absolutely nothing. Uh, You can be slammed into hospice here. You don't have to be terminally ill. They might say you are, but most times they don't. But that's worth $200 a day minimum for that hospice bed, 30000 capped for the month. They can turn that bed over three times in a month. There's ninety grand right there just for doing nothing but drugging people to death. Um, they they are after us. They want rid of us. And uh, the thing is, you talk about them, you know, they see you as a commodity. And the yeah. other thing is they do see you now as a as an expense because you're no longer taxable in most cases. Um, you... You aren't working, so you aren't paying taxes, and so you have no value to them. I've heard the government here for about the last 15 years refer to us as human resources as opposed to what, cattle resources? I don't know. Um, But we – and you couldn't remember when jobs, it went from the personnel office to human resources, and that's when things began to change. Our own government has referred to us as um, produce, as the greatest product that they have in this country, the greatest commodity is the population, and they are buying, selling, and trading us. As someone pointed out to me here a couple years ago, and I've mentioned this several times before, but you take one person on Social Security in a community and you subject them to this guardianship crap, they can be worth a million dollars just in the local community every year. And that doesn't include the federal funding, all the federal programs, the state programs, the grants, and this and that and something. It doesn't include any of that. Just in services they claim they supplied, housing, uh, caretakers, doctors, this, that, and something else. It would be worth a million dollars a year. And yep. Yep. Exactly. To me, that's just a, they, we have been commodified. But the first thing they had to do, Chris, was to take away our humanity. So they declared us dead in the law. You're no longer recognizable. You cannot claim your own identity, use your own name, access any of your own assets, nothing. You're dead. They just didn't tell you. It just, I don't know, we've been doing this and I say, I get tired of talking. I really do get tired of talking. Mm, I'm fine, uh, yeah. You know what I'm saying. Yeah, I feel the same. I, I, I don't, I, it, to me, Witnessing it personally, and and that's why um, we organised our group. It was individuals who had gone through this or had seen their families, like Chris Jenkinson and Deb saw, you know, she saw his mother go through this horrible system of guardianship. You know, my sister and I saw our loved one go through it, and we are um, we, we're witnesses to what I believe are, are criminal acts, and to see lawyers to see public officials engage in what I call 
criminal acts and there are no consequences. Mm -hmm. That's the frightening part about it. Um, This imbalance of power between the vulnerable person or their loved ones and the state and these institutions. And yes, they do make money. They use your money. They take your money. They, that identity theft that's transferred. When I, I, I spoke to my bank manager the other day and she saw the, the story and she said, Chris, I see this all the time. And I said, what do you mean? She said, victims have been guardianised. They come to the bank and they try to access their own money and I have to turn them away. And the state trustees, that's in Victoria, tell them we are now in charge. It's that easy when i tell people it's that easy for anyone to to open up a case against you in this country and remove your human rights based on a lie on evidence that's not tested so i can actually open up a case against let's say let's let's just say a name Anne, okay and say i believe Anne is in danger you know she fell the other day i live down the road and she fell down the other day, and I believe she's being exploited. I don't even have to provide any evidence to the tribunal. If the member believes my story based on no evidence and loses her identity and becomes a ward of state, where is the evidence act here? Now, what's really, really more concerning is when these allegations are proved to be lies or cannot be proven to be, have any factual basis whatsoever, there are no consequences for those individuals who make this rubbish up. Why aren't people charged with falsifying evidence or providing false evidence to a tribunal? Because it's not designed to charge anyone. It's not designed for the truth, Marty. It's designed to entrap no. you. It's like a fly being lured to a web. The state says, thank you very much for that. We'll take it from here. No, they shouldn't be doing that. There should be... If it, look, I'm not against guardianship. Guardianship is a, you know, if you decline or you need support, obviously the first people that should step in is trusted family. If there's a rat bag in the family, we all have a rat bag, Marty, based on evidence, yeah. not on some, you know, fairy tale, okay, based on evidence that particular member of the family should be removed and the remaining members of the family should be left to carry on looking after their loved one. It's simple. There are very simple solutions to guardianship. Why has this been made complicated? Because we have now the state. The state wants to take (laughs) over your decision-making human rights to benefit the state to benefit the federal purse. That's all it's about, making money and saving money. And what really upsets me is to see people appealing, and I've seen Yana appeal, I've seen Tony, I've seen Julie, I've seen all these family members appealing decisions, I've seen Genevieve. And to see these members, some members are good, but they're tied because the guardians play these dirty tricks. One of the tricks that we're seeing now is that make no decision. So when the guardians reject your proposals or make no decisions, the tribunals cannot step in because no decision has been made. And they carry on with this nonsense for years. 
not making any decisions, isolating that person because once they've got them, they always isolate them. And I have seen loved ones torn apart for years, years, not months, years. People, I haven't seen my mother for four years. I haven't seen my son for six months. How can this even be allowed to happen? And they drug these vulnerable people. They start a process of turning them against the family, unduly influencing them. They're a cult. They're using cult tactics against them. That's why isolation is the key to this. When you isolate a vulnerable person, as you and I know, Marty, trauma-based bonding, they start playing with that. They bond with the captor. By the time you even access your loved one, your loved one is so frightened of you, will turn against you, that you've lost your loved one in, you know, emotionally and, and psychologically. I've seen it. I've seen this happen. It is a vile system. It deserves a criminal investigation. We have a disability rule commission at the moment only offering three days to discuss guardianship. This needs a five-year investigation. This needs a list of victims and a list of stories and a list of people who have perpetrated what I believe are human rights crimes and violations. How do you lock up someone against their will? You remove their identity. It's, it's modern-day slavery, Marty. Modern-day slavery. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Gazi, you're on this. Did you have anything you wanted to add in here? I, yeah, you know what? When we were talking about the uh, the human resources and the personnel department, and do you think that now that there's so much technology and soon AI is going to be here, that humans aren't needed as much as they used to be because robots and machines and things like that are doing all the work. So now what do we really need, quote, quote, human resources for when you can have a machine do it? Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, Cos, hi, Chris. Um, I just think, I just think that it just comes down to being economically viable. You, there's a work. It seems to me that your value is is determined by what 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 you can produce economically. If you mm-hmm. are no longer economically viable, and you are a cost to the state. And this is what I'm, I, we've actually seen, our group's seen this a lot. If you become a cost to the state, you're in greater danger than if you have assets. We are seeing people that actually have assets. They are institutionalised, but they still, they're not targeted in terms of, they're not, um, they're, they seem to live a longer life. If you have no assets and you are a cost, we are seeing people actually euthanised or suddenly you know, drugged, heavily drugged. So I actually believe that once you become a cost to the state, once you become a cost to our government and you start to tap into those what we call free resources such as hospitals and uh, the facilities that are used to care for you, you're actually at greater risk. I don't think... I think technology is wonderful when used correctly, obviously, and I do think that that people that are vulnerable still contribute to life. We've got to start valuing all people. We shouldn't value people what they contribute. We should value people on love. We should value people on what they produce. 
if why is somebody who's disabled all of a sudden a cost to us? I mean, why why is ageing a crime? Why is disability a crime? Why are people being removed, looking after love? And, and we see the same tactics. I think it's more to do with, you know, I saw a video once. I can't believe I, this video actually exists, but it was from the UN. And, you know, there were these um, elderly people saying, I've lived a good life. Have you seen that video? I've lived a good life. I've lived a good life. And I thought, what does that actually mean? It was almost like saying, well, I've lived my life. It's time to go. Why do we, why do our elderly have to go? Why do our disabled have to be seen as a burden? They're not a burden. They shouldn't be seen as a burden. We should love everyone equally. There's enough resources on this planet to care for every single person. And every person has value and worth. Mhm. I had my my landlord. He was from uh, China. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Hello? Oh, yes, I, yes. it was like yeah. Up. Are you there? Um. So anyway, yeah. So anyway, he was from China, and he he spoke to me about how much he noticed that in the United States that the elderly aren't valued, and in his culture, it's just opposite. It's, it's they're so revered and so valued and their wisdom. And it, and it was one thing that, you know, people coming in here from other countries are shocked to see some of it. And, yes, they do have their atrocities that go on in, in their countries too. But just the fact that, you know, that the elderly are just so thrown off to the side. And why is... I, I one time I had someone tell me, here's how you can uh, get some media attention. So these other countries always are putting out their propaganda media. Give them, give them Harvey's story. Give them some of these stories and put it out in your propaganda and just say, hey, look at this is how the United States treats their own citizens. Do you th- then things will change. I don't know who that person is that I can hand all this information over to, but I mean it's and it would be all real, all real stories. It, it's it's terrible, and once this hits on like an international media, the U.S. will be scrambling to clean up its mess. Same with Australia because it's horrifying, fun to just make these these our countries just look like a bunch of demons running around, and why they are opening up for this kind of stuff to come out. Can you imagine on an international level if all this came out into the mainstream media, how how terrible our countries would look, how no human They're rights exist everybody. in these countries? Huh? They're killing them. They're killing everybody, whether we yeah. want to believe it or not. Our oh, elderly are. are being neglected. Simple solution based on evidence. Allow trusted loved ones to look after their family. That would solve 50, if not 70% of the problem. There's always going to be uh, individuals that don't have family. They don't have family. Why don't we have something in place where it's transparent and open and these people are cared for, they're listened to? They don't want it. They don't want... Our governments do not want our vulnerable... You just have to look at hospice. You just have to look at the hospital system. You just have to look at the care. You just have to look at guardianship. 
No one cares mm-hmm. because they don't want the vulnerable to live. I'm convinced they, they in Australia, our elderly, are tra- our, our animals are treated better and have more, and more rights than our vulnerable. How is that allowed to happen? They don't even feed people in nursing homes here. You know, the food quality is disgusting. You wouldn't even give it to your dog. And yet this slop is being fed to vulnerable people. It's disgusting. People being forced into aged care and not allowed to live with their family. Why? And it's happening in America. Why? Because, I'm sorry, I agree with Marty. I think it's planned. I agree with you guys. This is a planned program. This is not an accident. Because when you talk about this publicly... Everyone knows what's going on and no one's doing anything about it. That's the problem. We know what's happening. We know people are being guardianized. Mm-hmm. We know people are being drugged. We know people are having their assets seized. In any other business, any other business did this, a corporation, the police would be involved, oh, yeah. people would be charged, you would see yeah. you know, helicopters raiding buildings, but not, not guardianship and not aged care. Because it's by design. It's by design. Yeah. It, it's it, it's organised. It's been given the approval of the state governments and the federal governments. They want this to happen. And, and the only thing we can do is warn people. We can say, be careful. This is happening. It is real. It's not a conspiracy theory. Anyone can step in and take over your life. They can take over your mum. They can take over your dad. And no one's going to stop them. Yeah. When I'm I was first you, in this, Chris. When I was Sorry, first I'm in sorry. this, I'm, I'm sorry. the first two sorry. two years I was in it, especially, I if I heard it once, I heard it a dozen times a day. I don't know why you're talking about. They must have done something wrong, or this wouldn't have happened. Well, they did yep, something. What yep. did they do? They did something. And and you're just creating a problem where there isn't one. And blah, blah, blah. Well, that has changed over these years. But the thing of it was, karma is a bitch. I had people come back to me five, six, seven years later. I said, you remember when I talked to you? When you? And I said, yeah, I remember you. And, uh, well, they took my mother. Call somebody else. You must have done something yeah, wrong. That's right. And, you know, it just... Uh, and I hate to be that way, but, you know, don't don't down me because, you know, you're scared. And, oh, well, this couldn't happen. You must have done something wrong. Um, and then, of course, hospice is nothing more than government-sanctioned murder, in my opinion. You go in and get shoved into hospice, and you can refuse it. Um, but see how well that works. And the first thing they do is stop food and hydration. How can they do this? That's a human right. It's human necessity. Well, under the Obamacare Act, they redefined food and water as medical treatment. So when the doctor, and it can be any doctor anywhere, Chris, that's never seen you or even heard of you, can call futility of care. And then once they do that, all medical treatment of any kind is stopped except for the drugging to cause your death. And you're starving and thirsting to death, and they start drugging you. And then they and they go to these, they did this with my sister. She's forgotten how to swallow. 
No, she didn't forget how to swallow. You drugged her up so bad on morphine and Haldol, she can't. There's a difference. And, yeah, um, that's you know, but this is, and then they come in and give them the kill shot. And always at the family, oh, you don't want them to suffer, do you? They're suffering. You don't want, well, why don't you give them some water and see if that doesn't relieve some of that? And, but it's just, like I say, I hate to bring it up here, but I've been watching this thing for, several years coming out of the scientific community that they think there's two to three distinct species of human being walking the earth. And for me, this would account for these predators, this predator class, people who are sociopathic. Sociopaths are born. Psychopaths are made. But a sociopath has no human emotion. They have no empathy, no sympathy, no love, no hate, no nothing. It's they simply operate on a basis of I want, I want, I'm going to yes, take, yes, yes. I don't care what it does to you. And there's too many of them for this to be a coincidence. And I think they are a whole different species. I truly do. Um, they're human, but a different, you know, a yes. subcategory. Because you cannot be this cold-blooded and this greedy and this uncaring and do you know a lot of these people go to church, and they'll sit in the front row, which is very common, associate, and they'll sit in the front row. They're a pillar of the community, and here they are a monster in the community. If people knew what was living next door to them, would they still hold these people in high esteem? Would they, If they knew the lives they had ruined, the, the material they had stolen, the lies they told, would you still think this was a great person? The It just... I, I don't Which know. I don't know. hold out yes. much hope for yes. humanity with these people running loose. I think they should be gathered no. up and put away. They're cold. They're cold individuals. Yes. Yeah. We've come across, look, I, I, um, we've, we've spoken about Doreen Loran in South Australia. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the case. Um, the family, you know, members of ours and our group, um, we watched... Her, her died 42 days. All they had to do was the public guardian and a doctor classify her as palliative. She was not palliative. You don't take, it doesn't take 40, well, 42 days denied sustenance and then the last 13 days denied fluids. Of course you're going to die, Marty. Okay? 42 days. She was denied food and the last 13 days of her life, because she wasn't dying obviously quick enough in my opinion, okay, fluids. That's what they did. We mm. sat there and yep. watched this and there was nothing we could do. And all they had to do was a public guardian approved it and a doctor sanctioned it. All they have to do now yep. is de- define you as what's called palliative and that's it. Yep. They can deny you food and water. Now, when my mum passed away, with my sister and I present, um, she was not starved. She had fluids. She was sipping water in the last days of her life. And she died naturally, Marty, naturally in our our arms. We did everything we could to comfort her. We comforted mum. And that's how people often, you know, in the past died. Now, they're being denied fluid. We're hearing stories. Victims are going yes. to the hospital and the hospital has made a decision 
that that person is dying. The family say, look, can we take them? This happened to Therese. Therese Dionetti. She wanted to take her mother home. What did they do? A guardianship order was placed over her mum to deny wow. her and her brother the right to remove her um, mother. Why would you do this? If someone is, quote, dying, just say, look, your mother's passing away, your mother's not well, but if you want to take her home, we'll organise an ambulance to take her home with you. Why would you place a guardian? Why would you limit access for only one hour a day? And this is, we're seeing these stories as well now. This is cruel. <laughs> and to see this, it, yeah. you're right, Marty, it takes a person who's either been lobotomized or suffering from serious frontal lobe damage to actually, you know, be employed to have no emotion to make these decisions. This is someone's family. This is someone's mother, someone's father, someone's daughter, someone's brother. How can you make those decisions? And yet they do. Well, yeah, but... and, and look, I've seen it. They enjoy it. It's not even about yeah. money. It's almost like they yeah. enjoy the power. It's actually yes. quite sick. I just, I, yep. I'm really, really making you sick thinking about it. Really. Yeah, I yeah. think they. Just, yeah, I think you're right. They enjoy. They enjoy inflicting the harm. Yep. And if you if you yell and scream at them, you just gave them what they wanted. They. Like they know they pushed your buttons and they're enjoying that too. No. I've learned that, that, you know, that keep away from people like that. I just avoid, I have nothing to do with them. I, we've seen in our group, and I'm sure you've seen this, Marty, you know, I call them sociopaths. They come in, um, we just remove them. Um, they're troublemakers. Oh, they're, you know, lovely people. They've seen nice. And then you start to see their true colours. And they're quite good. Yeah. They're very good at it. They're very good at lying. They're very good at manipulating. And we've found a few either worked for NGIS providers or were guardians or knew someone of somebody. And they come in and we just immediately remove. We've blocked probably about 300 people that were like that so far in the last four years. Wow. And they come in and... You, you, they, they start off often, they're very, very vanilla, very nice, and then you start to see their true colours. And they do lack something. They lack empathy. Yep. They, they, they play on yep. this empathy, but they really don't have any empathy. And you start to see it's about them, um, it's about all of that. And, and to see that these people are actually employed in the guardianship system, that uh -huh. they're actually guardians, or their social yes. workers, or their nurses, mm -hmm. or all these positions of responsibility. And you wonder, how are you employed in this field? Yes. And I actually think that a lot of these people are particularly selected because of these qualities. Yes. Because they need people to do this job. I don't know what else to think, but because it's... if I was a head nurse or in charge of a hospital these individuals would not be working under my care. I mean, you need compassion in these fields. And I think that's right. what we're missing, that our vulnerable are being looked after by really, you know, the guardians are cruel. Some of these guardians are really, really cruel. We're just missing in action. Mm -hmm. We're just a guardian 
name only. Right. Well, and that's true. You know, when you talk about them being selected for this position, uh, you know, what I'm saying, they're hired because of certain, um, let's say, mental deficiencies that they have. Uh, I liken this to TSA here in the States in the airports. These people are all given a psychological test, and they exhibit certain deficiencies in their character and judgment, and they're hired. But somebody that's got their self together, you know what I'm saying, and they don't have this, well, we'll call you. And uh, we find a lot of police departments are using the same method. It used to be you took a psych test to make sure you were fit for that job. Now it's to make sure that you have a proclivity towards violence and, you know, other things. And but this is it. You like you say, who in their right mind would take a job and do this? And Chris, all these years, and I say we're start, we'll start our 14th year in June. I've asked people, said, oh, not our guardians are bad. Bring me one, just one. We'll celebrate them. We'll do a big show on them. 14 years, I've yet to receive the name of that person. And I've noticed mm-hmm. how in media they will um, – if it's somebody, you know, like print stories that circulate, you know, on the net and stuff, it's if it's a family member or a community member that does any of these things to an elderly, but my goodness, they're whisked away and they go to jail and their picture's all over the place and blah, 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 that you get yeah. one of these guardians and you cannot get, for the most part, until the last three or four years, you couldn't get anybody to even admit they knew about this. And no. that speaks to, to power. Uh, some who is powerful behind this, but see, it's gotten away from them because people like us on here now, other radio shows, um, people that, you know, keep exposing this, the groups that have sprung up everywhere. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, and with right. that came, came what we call the glory hogs. And you've been exposed to one oh. too. Uh, the glory hogs show up. And in our opinion, these people are actually paid provocateurs. They're paid to harass you, to stalk you, uh, to levy false accusations against you that, you know, they can't prove and you can't disprove. You can't disprove a falsehood. Uh, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Somebody said you took your clothes off last Tuesday out on the Capitol lawn. <laughs> you can't prove you didn't do it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I say I didn't do it. <laughs> but you have no way of proving that you did not do it. And um, But this is, you know... We're, you you are correct. This is a very carefully planned system, and it is a system meant to call as many people who are elderly or disabled somehow compromised out of the populations and how to make money while you're doing it. And too many yeah. people are quite willing to take part in the system. We've got about three minutes left here. Uh, Chris, did you have anything you wanted to add? Oh no, I, I think that's probably the, what you what you said in regards to the glory hogs. I think um, that the trolling is is, is nasty, um, and you, you're correct. I mean, like you know, I, I've I've read a few things about me which is absolute rubbish, uh, and it's laughable. Uh-huh. It's absolutely laughable, and the extent people will go to. Well, I'm very careful who I or I associate with. That's why. Chris and Deb and Maria and Therese and all these people that I, you know, associate with, they, you know, they, they've become friends as well because we've all gone on this yeah. journey uh-huh. together and I trust them 
and they're reputable people. And that's the that's 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 very important to me because mm-hmm. even when I was talking to the the journalists in regards to them, I, I I remember saying to one of the journalists, "Do a background check on me, do a criminal check on me, do anything you have to do." Because I know I'm a clean skin. I've never done anything. Um, and unfortunately, you know, you do attract uh, an element of, you know, I, I don't even know what it is, people bored or um, mm-hmm. probably, look, there are provocateurs. There are paid people that do what they do. I don't know who they are. I, personally, from my perspective, anyone who is uh, aggressive or comes on our site to cause any trouble, and I blocked someone the other day. I mean, it was harassing another member and a member came back to me and said, can you please remove this woman? And I removed her and please remove that. We're constantly blocking people all the time. Wow. Yeah. We've over 300 people. We have to do it because ours is a safe site. We have vulnerable people on there and we want it to be calm. We're already dealing with the abuse of the guardians. We don't need any more, right. you know, negativity. Right. And I want it. And, I, and Chris Jenkinson and, and Deb and, and Marie and I and, and Therese, we created a safe site that's safe for people and we want to distribute whatever we can on guardianship and everything else. I'm just not interested. I have no time. Yeah. And yeah, it, is, it really is interesting, you know, the glory hog issues are, and probably for another day. It is so fascinating the mindset of certain you know groups and yeah. individuals but I don't have time right. I really don't have time you know yeah. uh, you just don't have time for this and we need to no. look if the design is to distract us don't let it distract yeah. you from our journey yeah. you can't let them distract there you us go. no there you go. We got 30 seconds left here, girls. Um, I want to thank everybody for tuning in tonight. We had a full house again. Uh, that's always good news. And just yeah. a reminder, these shows are brought to you in coordination with Marcel Reed and the original Whistleblower Summit. We'll be there again this year. And, Chris, you should be there, too. Um, yes, I will. Never too. Thank you. Uh, we'll be back again, I believe, tomorrow night, me and Cuz. And we'll talk to you all then. Good night, everybody. Good night. Bye, everyone. Yep. Yeah. Good night. Good night.